and here we go again. Up early, feed the dog, out the door, traffic, at the office, boss in some kind of mood today, no time for lunch, annoying co-worker, no time to relax, bedtime. Then we gotta do it all again? Uh, no way. Because the best way to break up the mundane every day is to play. At Wild Rose Casino and Resort. Slots, tables, sports, and a whole lot of perks when you join and play with your club wild card. So, let's play. Wild Rose Casino and Resort, Clinton. Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situation changes? When you work with Edward Jones, they focus on what's important to you. You'll work together and use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And they'll partner with you to help your strategy stay on track. Visit edwardjones.com or stop by the office of Todd Nash in Coralville, Jeff Rudolph, or Scott McGill in Iowa City, or Travis Whitmore in North Liberty. Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing, member SIPC. Welcome to the Hawk Fanatic Mailbag Podcast. I am your host, Rob Howe, recording this on Wednesday, July the 27th, around 11.30 a.m. Central Time. Again, uh, another Wednesday Mailbag Podcast off from its usually scheduled Tuesday uh, slot, time slot. Um, was in Indianapolis yesterday, so uh, which was Tuesday, uh, which would have made it difficult to podcast while I was at the uh, Big Ten meet or Big Ten football media days kickoff, whatever the uh, description is or whatever the official title is of that event that I've been going to since 1998. Uh, it's changed a lot over the years. Uh, only real complaint from yesterday was the Wi-Fi terrible at Lucas Oil Stadium. I uh, had to move around a little bit to. <laughs> the back part of the stadium to try to get faster internet speeds for uh, photos and videos and things that take a little bit more speed uh, and bandwidth. Cause it was, uh, they have us kind of jammed into one probably from the, I don't know, 20 yard line in uh, on one end of the field. And they have a, a, a stage set up for the coaches and Kevin Warren. And then we kind of sit below that and, take in uh the conversation um it was a decent event i mean it's more i was on the radio yesterday uh with todd bromwell camp and alex coon on kgym and cedar rapids as i was driving back and it seems with the speed of news these days through twitter and other uh channels that you know when there is news that happens it comes out so quick uh, back in the day, we used to go to these things and we'd get Gary Barta and Kirk Ferentz and, you know, we wouldn't ha- have access as much access to them during the year. And this would, you know, it's it was kind of be like a state of for with Gary would be the state of the, you know, the department and including football. And then with Kirk, it would be 
what are the updates and this year just a, not a lot of news uh the unfortunate news that Justin Britt and Jackson Ritter will be lost for the season to injury uh that came out yesterday uh but not a lot else um you know Kirk is still sticking with there being a quarterback competition although he did say if they started practice today and I think they start practice next week that uh you know um Spencer Petrus would work with the ones and I fully expect Spencer to be the starting quarterback and play the whole game against South Dakota state barring injury. So um, I don't, and I don't know, uh, maybe you take Kirk at his word that uh, he feels it's close uh, and maybe it is, but I just, I don't know what it would take for Alex Padilla to overtake Spencer Petrus. I think it'd be a lot. I think it'd be an injury or just such brutal play uh, combined with losing. You know, if I were to lose the first two weeks against South Dakota State and Iowa State, which is, I will be favored, but if it plays poorly, could certainly lose to either one of those teams. Those are not, you know, tomato can type teams. South Dakota State is one of the better teams in its level, uh, uh, FCS level. And Iowa State, you know, law of average is going to get Iowa at some point. I don't think it's this year. Uh, I don't think this is an Iowa State. Iowa State replaces a lot more than Iowa, and Iowa won last year in Ames. But it wasn't a blowout. So some breaks go one way or the other. We've seen Iowa State. I think the last time Iowa State won was, was that 2014 maybe at Kinnick Stadium. Brutal game. That was with, with Paul Rhodes. Coffee sip time. Uh, I don't need to explain that anymore. Most of the folks that listen to this podcast understand that I have to take. And with the whatever it was, 12 hours, 12 to 14 hour drive in basically less than 48 hours to Indianapolis and back, I'm feeling it today. The old man doesn't make that trip the way he used to. And he used to be in Chicago, which is a lot nicer as well. At least for us, it's closer. Drive is a little bit more hectic driving in and out of Chicago, uh, but for the most part, it's a pretty easy drive. Indianapolis is overall an easier drive just in terms of, you know, traffic and volume and dealing with the city. Indianapolis is a nice city. It's not Chicago in terms of population and, and volume of traffic. Um, so that's certainly a plus for it. But hopefully the Big Ten figures out that if they're going to go back to Lucas Oil Stadium or make this a yearly Indianapolis event they figure out the wi-fi because that was not good I can't imagine what tv people were dealing with when they have uh they need much quicker internet speed than a lot of the rest of us so let me hop into some questions here kind of babbled enough uh hopefully next week we'll get back to Tuesdays I, I don't anticipate an issue with that so next week we'll get back on Tuesday the Tuesday uh uh what do you call it Back into that Tuesday time slot. Uh, let's see here. I may have some from last week. So let me go back to see. Uh, this one was from July 22nd, which was five days ago. So this certainly fell into that window between the two podcasts. And for those that don't remember, just need a weekly PSA. Uh, if you want to shoot me questions whenever during the week between the time now and when I record the next podcast, hashtag HF mail, fire that my way on Twitter and I will go back and grab 
from where I left off the last week. And uh, in this case, uh, RF at zero underscore dice on July 22nd, uh, which was last week. Uh, what football or basketball game or season would you want to write a long form oral history about? That's a great question. Um, there's some really good ones out there. Um, and recency bias, I think I try to stay away from that, like the Big Ten tournament this past year for the men's basketball team. Um, there haven't been a lot of highs for basketball, um, you know, in terms of those you know, NCAA tournament runs, the, the ones that people re- that's really stick out to people. Um, so you're talking more regular season uh, or, you know, conference tournaments for them. Uh, football wise, uh, I always go back to the 2002 season and that's it's the 20th anniversary. And uh, I was the beat writer for the Press Citizen at the time. And uh, that season was just filled with, wow moments um it might be that game at michigan uh where iowa that was really the the week where uh iowa made it itself known that it was a player in the big 10 and just annihilated michigan at the big house uh and lloyd carr and that was just that was kind of the um that was kind of the uh, awakening that Iowa football uh, was on the national landscape. And I think it's kind of remained there. It's not a blue blood. It's not, but it's been involved enough, uh, you know, with college football playoff rankings and, um, you know, big games, big wins at Kinnick Stadium, the Ohio State game. If I was doing a regular season game, it would probably be 2017 Ohio State or 2016 Michigan. Um, but yeah, I don't, it's a good question. Um, for basketball, it might be, um, trying to think maybe that I've covered and and I'm kind of keeping this to the window, um, of what I've covered. Cause I think that's what I'm most familiar with. Uh, obviously there's some there are a lot of great things that happened before 1997 (laughs) but for my purposes um uh maybe the sweet 16 run in in tom davis's last year uh yeah i'm kind of all over the place here i didn't give this one a lot of thought i think i would probably land on 2002 michigan at the big house that was just kind of one of those games where it was on the road, which you don't see Iowa do a lot, you know, come up with big, huge wins like that on the road as much. A lot of the big wins happen at Kinnick Stadium. So I think I would probably go with that one. Good question, though, RF. I'll give it some more thought and maybe add, add to it next week. Uh, we've got a lot from Jake Timbers here. Drake Drake Timbers, I mean, excuse me, at Drake Timbers. Uh, those that listen to the podcast know that Drake is a regular contributor. Some uh, kind of out there type questions and others. Uh, really, really well thought out football questions. Not that the out there questions aren't uh, well thought out. They're just a little out there. Uh, Drake Timbers at, uh, at Drake Timbers. How can a college players union work with members cycling out every four years? Will union leadership cycle out every four years too, or will they increase eligibility years? 
I don't think we'll see anything in the latter in terms of eligibility years. Uh, I think it would be um, maybe ha you'd have like a head or a committee like you have with Major League Baseball and NFL. You know, they have a they have heads of those unions that aren't players. Um, so that's to me how I think it can work. Uh, Jordan Bohannon somebody who doesn't go into professional sports, but is very tuned into this. And I'm not saying he's the guy and I'm not saying he should be the guy. I'm just saying somebody like that, somebody who um, pays attention is kind of uh, involved with this and understands the landscape. And I think you could switch that off too, where it's not the same person for 20 years. Maybe you have a certain, uh, I think it'd be good to have a committee um, that's looking out for these guys. And it could be guys that played in the NFL or the NBA for periods of time uh, and now kind of are involved in other business ventures and things like that. Maybe you could have somebody uh, be a part of it that way. I think that would be the way to go. I think you can have representation from current players that would cycle over um, and cycle out as the eligibility wears out or is used up. But I think you that's the way you would have to do it with a former student athlete, whether it be somebody who went pro or didn't go pro uh, as your head. And then maybe a committee of, I don't know, six, seven people to kind of help along the way. Maybe you make that regionally. Uh, you have representatives from each conference uh, as, you know, retired or, or student athletes who exha exhausted eligibility have them on the committee and then also have represented re representation from conferences or regions of the country of current student athletes that can bring together or bring forward any issues, concerns, desires, things like that. That'd be kind of the model that I would think of, but good question, Drake. Appreciate that. Uh, does a proper Iowa fan cheer for Adrian Martinez's K-State to further humiliate Husker fan despite Kleiman's past aggressive and derogatory recruiting tactics. <laughs> uh, I think you're going a little harsh on Chris Kleiman. I think there's quite a bit of that stuff that goes on uh, out there from all over the place. I don't think he's any better or worse than most of the coaches out there. Uh, there are certainly extremists. I know Iowa's not very happy with Purdue right now. Uh, usually isn't happy with Minnesota, Iowa State, Nebraska, uh, though, you know, recruiting there. Wisconsin at times. So I get that, but um, I certainly, I don't think, I don't think Iowa fans will play, pay much attention to what Adrian Mart Martinez does at K-State. I think it's more paying attention to hopefully Nebraska extending its misery uh, that's gone on in the Scott Frost era. And before that, uh, that's where Iowa fans, I think allegiances to hoping more suffering happens for Nebraska and its fan base. So Another one from Drake. Uh, in Fast Times at Ridgemont High, there's a scene when Mark tells his only friend, Mike Damone, how in love he is with Stacey Hamilton. One day, Mike shows up at Stacey's house without Mark. And what lengths does Kevin, Kelvin Bell hide Aaron Graves from Kirk Ferentz? Uh, I think this is in terms of uh, maybe Aaron moving to the offensive line. I don't see that happening. I think he's just going to be too productive initially um, right away. Uh, they'll see that in practice. I just, I can't see him moving to the offensive line. 
a coffee sip. And I'm not sure Kirk Ferentz really wants that. I think Aaron, uh, I think Aaron would be an excellent offensive lineman. Uh, I like the reference, big fan of fast times. Uh, yeah. Damone was kind of a, a toolbox. Uh, what he did to rat uh, Ratner, but uh, great movie brings back memories of uh, my youth and uh, that movie, not only the movie, but what's portrayed in the movie, uh, you know, movie theaters, malls, uh, fast cars, all that stuff, football, high school football, all that stuff is kind of wrapped in there. Brilliant movie, definitely an American classic. So uh, at ICE, next question comes from at IC depressed citizen at depressed citizen. This is kind of a play on words, uh, uh, ripping the local newspaper here. Uh, I don't concur with that, but I had to read the uh, screen name here on Twitter for the purposes of answering this question. Maybe we'll see where the question goes. Has Iowa ever run triple option or is it conceivable that they practice it? And could I probably spit Zima on my Nike I'd probably spit Zima on my Nike Bruins if they did. This sounds like a Drake Timbers question. Maybe this is a Drake alias. Um, I don't expect triple option coming from <laughs> from Iowa with Spencer Petrus and Alex Padilla at quarterback. Uh, you may get Wildcat if you're lucky, but it seems like they kind of shied away from that as well uh, after initially embracing it. Uh, didn't see much of that last year with uh, Goodson. That could have been because of the offensive line struggles. Not sure, uh, but I do not. um, Maybe at some point they ran triple option back in the day. I've not seen it since I've been here, and I don't think Chuck Long was running triple option or Chuck Hartley. So not really something that Iowa has uh, as a standout portion of its uh, a standout era of triple option. in its history but uh yeah i'm not i'm not seeing that coming around uh e at nba underscore fan underscore 2014 another frequent contributor to the podcast most of these folks here are uh is big 10 media day going to last beyond the next five years with so much info being put online and no big news ever coming out from media days will the bowl games be expanding along with the big 10 conference I think the last, I'll answer your second question first. E, I think there will be more bowl partnerships, if that's what you're asking. Uh, once USC and UCLA come in, you've got two more brands that you can sell to bowl games out there uh, on the West Coast. And I, or, uh, the Big Ten does have partnerships, obviously, the Rose Bowl. Uh, I'm not sure if the San Francisco used to be the Red Box Bowl. I'm not sure what it is anymore. Uh, Foster Farms or whatever that thing was. Maybe that's the old Red Box Bowl. Anyway, there's a couple of California bowls. Was the Holiday Bowl. Uh, I don't know what the future of that is, uh, but I think you can expand that. And, you know, I think you, not only with media rights deals, do you uh, raise the profile of the Big Ten, but you also do it. Uh, and it's kind of, it, um, it folds in with that bowl games as part of the as part of the package and having you know the ability to have those two LA teams involved in your bowl uh pool you know as part of your bowl pool I think helps quite a bit so I do think I I do think there'll be more partnerships with the Big Ten and and bowl games uh may the Outback Bowl rest in peace uh not sure what that looks like exactly 
uh, but I think it's uh, it just makes sense uh, when those two teams come in. And I'm not sure when the bowl deals are out. I'll ask Scott Dockey about that. Tomorrow on the Hawkeye Hotspot podcast, he's more familiar with that stuff than I am. Uh, I, I kind of, it goes in one ear and out the other, or it's in my mind and then out after I kind of look over the bowl lineup year to year. Uh, and I'm not, I don't really pay attention to the contracts with those either. But um, obviously if there's a, uh, if there's playoff expansion, which will be, there will be at some point and in some way, some form, I don't know what the structure is going to look like, uh, but that's also obviously the Big Ten will be big players and whatever that playoff. And then we'll see how that affects the bowl games as well. So, um, And then the Big Ten media day, I think, will continue to go on just because it's kind of a, a kickoff to the season. But I, I, I see what you're saying. The value of it is minimal. Um, we get some, you know, some more candid conversations with the guys that are there. They're for lack of a better term, let their hair down a little bit. Their, the guard is down a little bit sometimes when you're away from uh, campus and, and out on a national stage like that. And uh, I think the, the Big Ten uses it as a showcase for the Big Ten network. Um, and as long as that's going, uh, I think we'll have Big Ten media days. But, yeah, from a local reporter perspective, not, uh, not really a ton of value there. I went down yesterday and some video and uh, photos and I'll probably write a feature story on, on Kayvon Merriweather's um, trip with the Big Ten conference. They went uh, and went to Selma and Montgomery uh, and, and learned some some history uh, this summer. And he, he spoke about that a lot on uh, Tuesday. So I will probably write something at some point this week on that. Um, Cause we don't have media day until what, two weeks from this Friday. So be quite a bit of downtime here for Hawkeye football until media day and then kids day on the 12th and 13th respectively. So uh, yeah. And I was, as I was saying earlier, E with the, with how quickly news moves, it's just sometimes you get news, you know, when it was the urban Meyer, and uh, his assistant coach, uh, Jason Smith, Justin Smith, one of what Smith, some, something Smith, uh, who um, was uh, involved in, in domestically domestic violence against his wife, and that kind of broke right as that Big Ten thing was going on. But that's kind of what you need—some type of breaking news. Had had the UCLA and USC thing happened, like on Monday. That would have been huge for the Big Ten uh, media days. And maybe that's maybe they should have held off, but I think that uh, yeah, somebody would have let the cat out of the bag by then. So good questions, E. Appreciate you checking in. AP Hawkeye at Andy Paul Rules on Twitter, uh, another friend of the podcast. Hey, Rob, maybe I missed this, but are the Hawkeyes breaking out any alter, alternate unis during football season? And if so, which games? And which alt uni is your favorite? Uh, I like the black one they wore against Minnesota whenever that was, the all black. I thought that was kind of cool. But I think there's so much more you could do with Iowa's colors scheme-wise to really make it look fresh and pop. But I think there are parameters with which you have to stay in uh, 
in terms of the head coach's desires. He does not, I don't think he, I think he would prefer just to wear the, you know, the classic Iowa uniforms, which I really like. And I really don't have a beef with that. All unis are okay every now and then. I don't like when, you know, the a school has a different uniform every week, like Oregon, Ohio state has a bunch of different uniforms. Uh, I kind of like the classics, Iowa, Penn State, Michigan. They don't use a lot of variations at those schools. Uh, Wisconsin, uh, Nebraska, a lot of the schools in the Big Ten are pretty traditional in terms of sticking with their um, traditional uniforms. And I think that's great. It's a classic look. Uh, But I don't mind when Iowa throws out an alt every now and then. And maybe it is this season. Maybe it's that Michigan game. If I had to pick a game, I haven't heard anything to answer your question, Andy, about alt uniforms. Uh, I'll try to get uh, some information on that maybe at media day, ask around and see if there's any possibilities of that. But um, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm kind of with the head coach here that uh, I like the classic uniform, but I am OK adding in. Um, I like the old one too. the, the throwback to like uh, the Niall Kinnick era. Those were kind of cool, too. Um, I like when they have a little bit of fun with them. I'd like to see some type of just gold, maybe a little bit more involved. Uh, Iowa has a tendency to go darker when it goes alt, and I would like something that maybe pops, something that's more contemporary. Uh, maybe we see it this year. Who knows? Thanks for the question, Andy. Appreciate it. Drake Timber's back again. Uh, last night, he asked his previous questions uh, last week, I believe. Uh, where would you rank the Pac-12 if they added the clones? Where would you rank the Pac-12 if they added the clones, TCU, BYU, Okie State, Kansas, and Kansas State to form the Pac-16? Um, trying to think. That still leaves you with, obviously, Washington and Oregon. Um, Cal, Stanford, um, where would I rank? It's still going to be behind the SEC and the big, see the the SEC and the big 10 have now pushed themselves with the schools that each has added in the last few years. They've pushed themselves to the point where there's really nothing that the PAC 12 or the big 12 or the ACC can do to move into that top two. Um, It's going to be kind of a, Um, a competition between those other three quote unquote power fives that are left to figure out where they are in the pecking order between three and five. Or if there's, if one of those conferences absorbs another, as you're saying here, and then I think that would move the PAC 12 up to three. um, But I don't think it penetrates one or two. And I think that's kind of what ACC, the big 12 and the PAC, 12 right now are just um, trying to position themselves to be number three for the, because who that they don't want to be five four you can probably live with. Cause I think you can probably sustain four power conferences, whether or not you can s- sustain five. I don't know. We'll have to see uh, how other schools grow around the country and maybe make themselves more attractive to some of these leagues, but it's really a battle for three right now between the three remaining. Uh, with really, I don't think, the upward mobility to get into the top two, no matter what they do, unless they poach some schools from the Big 12 or the Big 10 in the SEC. And I just don't see that as plausible right now because I don't know why a school would do that, particularly with the share they're going to get coming into the league. And Kevin Warren uh, was asked this on Tuesday, and he cleared that up. 
uh, USC and UCLA are going to get a full share. If you remember, I think maybe Rutgers didn't get the full share right away. And I could be off on that too, but um, yeah, I mean, USC and UCLA get a full share. So whatever this new TV deal is, and obviously USC and UCLA contribute a lot to that new TV deal, whatever I, or whatever the big 10 ends up doling out from its billion dollar media rights deal. Um, and it's split up equally between the, um, members of the, of the conference, UCLA and USC get an equal part of that. They get the same as Iowa. So that, uh, that certainly was attractive to them. And that's really what it comes down to for these other leagues is what is most attractive to the TV partners. What does, what do the TV partners want to see now that the SEC and the big 10 kind of have their you know, how strong they are in their foundation, what can the other conferences offer from a TV perspective? So, um, and I think Pat Fitzgerald said it on Tuesday, you look at the Big Ten now from a TV perspective, you've got the East Coast time zone to the West Coast time zone. You can start your football Saturday with Big Ten football and finish it with Big Ten football Uh after dark or whatever fancy phrase you want to use, you can have big 10 football going on all day long. Every window is going to have big 10 football in it. And that speaks to it. And what can, what can the PAC 12, the big 12 and the ACC offer in terms of that? And will those school, will any of those schools be poached? Where does, what does Notre Dame do? A lot of questions still be answered here, but I think the bottom line is, the SEC and the Big Ten have positioned themselves as one and two in whatever order you want to put them in. And then the other schools are three through five, or the other conferences are three through five. The other power five conferences are three to five. And they're they're trying to position themselves now to be three. And uh, we'll see how that shakes out. It'll be interesting. Still a lot of uh, things to be decided. Uh, Drake Timbers, is it harmless to believe Jennings Dunker hatched from a, a goat? Uh, he's a big dude. Yeah. Um, he could have, uh, I, I think he's, he was brought into this world, uh, conventionally, uh, with his parents, but, uh, interested to see what he's done. Certainly a physical specimen. Haven't heard a lot of him in terms of development as an offensive lineman. Uh, but the starter kid is certainly there. So we'll kind of, maybe we'll get a chance to learn more about him on media day. Um, Appreciate that, Drake. That's Drake's last one. We got one more, and that's from Clint Harms at Until Game on Twitter, another frequent contributor to the podcast. And appreciate Clint checking in. What are your thoughts on why ticket sales are going so good? Schedule quality, optimism, or outside markets reselling them? Last year seemed like a lot of doom and gloom, even after wins. I just don't see any major changes why people would be so fired up. Um, it's a good question because, uh, you know, as you know, uh, the, the economy is not great right now, but people are willing to uh, whatever disposable income they have, uh, recreational income they have, they're willing to put it on the Hawkeyes. And I think last year is a big part. Of it. I think Iowa winning the West Division, playing in the Big Ten Championship, uh, playing in a, a, in a New Year's Day Bowl. Uh, I think all of those things help. And I think there's optimism for this season. Uh, that Iowa can build off that and maybe do better. And uh, in talking to Kayvon 
Merriweather yesterday in Indianapolis, he was like, yeah, the bar is set for where it was last year. We have to be better than that. And he said they've worked hard all offseason in terms of getting to the next level, which he said is winning the West again, winning a Big Ten championship, and then getting into the playoff. And that's what this, the goal of this team has. And I think that is uh, what a lot of fans see. And football is an event around here. It just is, it's a weekend event where people come in, they see their friends, they tailgate. Uh, it's, it's almost like, you know, seven mini vacations every fall. And, uh, it, you know, most of the games, even if they weren't sellouts last year, were close enough. Uh, there were some seats that were empty, but for the most part, they were full. And maybe it's that secondary market you're talking about, Clint, where people are, um, People are, are scooping those up uh, for resale later. I don't know, because you've got an attractive home schedule. Um, and maybe the maybe if Iowa gets off to that 3-0 start, 4-0 start, whatever it may be, um, those secondary market prices go up, and maybe the scalpers are betting on that. So that could be a part of it as well. But I just think even when Iowa football isn't good, um, and it's usually good, uh, but not – you know, above that, uh, you know, eight, seven, eight win seasons, whatever the case may be. Um, it's a, it's a, a history of consistency of being pretty good every year. Uh, so I think it's everything that's kind of playing into that Clint. I think all the things you mentioned are converging to, to make it attractive. And, um, yeah, I think that's kind of where we're at with this and, and why it's going so well uh, in terms of uh, ticket sales. And uh, it's good to see. It's good to see uh, Kinnick packed. And hopefully that home field advantage helps the Hawkeyes with uh, a, a, a relatively difficult home slate from, you know, the the Cyhawk game, which you never know. There's a lot of emotion in, in, involved with that. And then you know, Wisconsin and Nebraska and Michigan and uh, Northwestern, I mean, for, for homecoming. I mean, there's, there's an attractive home schedule this year. And uh, I think that plays into it quite a bit. So it's kind of where I am on that. I think that's it, guys. I think we got to everything. Uh, I do want to let you know that support for this podcast comes from Systems Unlimited, celebrating 50 years of providing services to people living with disabilities and mental health needs throughout East Central Iowa. A list of their services and upcoming events can be found at sui.org. Thank you to Systems Unlimited, Wild Rose Casino, and Edward Jones for the support of our podcast. We have a, uh, a fresh Hawkeye podcast usually every day of the week when I'm able to put this mailbag podcast on Tuesdays. Got some more exciting uh, additions to the podcast uh, uh, lineup coming this fall. So stay tuned for that. We'll uh, unveil that when we uh, get closer to being able to put those podcasts together. But uh, hopefully we'll bring you some more here on the Hawk Fanatic Podcast Network. But wanted to thank everybody who sent in questions and everybody who listened to the podcast. Uh, we really appreciate it. Hopefully you have a, a great rest of your week and we'll be back in less than a week because we're going to try to do this on Tuesday. So thanks again to everybody and we will talk to you soon. Peace.